Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. You're listening to Double G Radio. To all the non-believers, how did that? To all the non-believers, anybody can be beat. Relax and enjoy our expert analysis of all pro teams in the concrete jungle. Can't wait! Welcome back to another edition of the Big Apple Sports Hour with... Stopsky and G. We're up here on blogtalkradio.com. Double, not WRSP Radio. That's what I did last night. But via Double G Sports. And I'm Greg Lonard alongside my co-host, Matt Stopsky. Matty, how are you this morning? Or I should say this afternoon. I'm good, man. Over the power outage I am right now. So it's going to get really hot really soon. But overall, I'm pretty good. Oh boy, and that's that's not good for you because you are a bigger guy and you sweat easily and more easily than most of us. Yeah, I sweat. I have to like adjust myself on the couch. So yeah, it's gonna be bad. It's gonna be bad. <laughs> you sweat peeling an orange. What's an orange? <laughs> <laughs> Unwrapping a fruit roll up, I should say. Sure, let's go with that. <laughs> All right, so Maddie, it's it's it was a good weekend if you were a fan of the New York baseball teams. And first of all, the Mets just kind of getting it out the way. They they uh, they went and took three out of four from the Atlanta Braves down in Atlanta, taking care of business down there. And uh, the Yankees they sweep the series from the Baltimore Orioles and kind of distance themselves in the American League East even further than they were. They kind of buried the Orioles six and a half games behind them. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays have passed the Orioles now, and the Red Sox are only four games behind the New York Yankees, and the Yankees took two out of three from the last time they saw the Red Sox. So what was your overall thoughts on on the weekend of baseball that was so great for the New York teams? Well, the Mets, man. Let's talk about the Mets first. The Mets didn't just win. They dominated a bunch of those games. It was excellent. Absolutely excellent. Uh, it was good to see uh, Cespedes back. Hit a grand slam this weekend, right? I'm not just making that up. I didn't dream that. There was a grand no, slam. You're not, had... you, you, didn't, you didn't make that up. That is, uh, in fact, what happened on Saturday in the first game of the doubleheader that they had. They, uh, they were only up 2-1 to one going into the ninth. He comes up with a, with, a, with a big grand slam in the ninth there to give the Mets a little breathing room, which is huge. They, they really took care of business on Saturday. Saturday is where they did their damage. They lost a tough one on Friday. And then they, uh, they won a 2-1 ball game, which was nice to see because we haven't seen from the Mets a lot of 2-1 victories. And it was nice to have 
some of that pitching that they got back too. You mentioned Cespedes, but they also were able to get Lugo and Matt's back in the rotation, which was huge. Yeah, Matt's pitched the second part of that doubleheader, and he was excellent. Absolutely excellent. Yeah. Uh, really, it was it was a, it was that Saturday was the comeback day for Cespedes, the the, the grand slam, and Matt's throwing a fantastic game. The Mets, you know, they're, now they're getting a little bit healthier, and they look like a, a team that you reckon with, man. And that, that's good for the Mets. Uh, I'm excited. And people who are also Mets fans should be very excited. This team looks to be very good. Yeah, this is, this is what we in kind of envisioned as Mets fans coming into this 2017 season. Having, you know, obviously Cespedes in the lineup, doing some big things, hitting a big home run or a grand slam or something along the lines of that, which he did, like you mentioned, on Saturday. And then the pitching, really just kind of taking care of business and, and holding the opposing lineup down. And that's really what they did. They didn't allow more than three runs in this series. And, and you know, even on Friday when they, when they lost, Harvey was good in that game. Didn't pitch deep, but was good in that game and give the, gave the Mets an opportunity to win. And they just, you know, they couldn't pull it out in the ninth. But the starters going longer into games, giving up fewer runs, you know, it, it allows the offense to be a little bit more comfortable and to, to realize, okay, we don't have to go out there and score 20, you know, not 20 runs, but 10 runs a game because our, we don't know what our pitching staff's going to do because if you have that starting pitching, it goes long. You can rest the bullpen. You can only use your essential guys. You don't have to have those, you know, the, the 12th, 13th man in the bullpen going out there and trying to get big outs for you because everybody else is absolutely gassed. Yeah, no, this is – uh, 100% agree with with, uh, with that, and this this I'm very excited to see this new Mets team because uh, April was a little rough. April May you know, with all the injuries and uh, yeah, both uh, both we, months we had, were losing we had, months. Yeah, so and we had a discussion before uh, before our little our little week off, I think a couple weeks back, about like oh yeah, the Mets aren't doing that great, but now it's like they can turn around and and Joey, my brother. Was just pound the table. Now, don't worry, don't worry. It's gonna be fine. When these injuries, when they, you know, when our injuries are done and they come back and they're healthy, this team is gonna be great. And it was like he knew what he was talking about because this team, at least on Saturday, was outstanding. Like I said, it's good to see, and and it kind of puts a smile on your face because you know this. Like I mentioned, this is what it's supposed to look like. This is what is supposed to have happened for this 2017 Mets season. They've got themselves back under double digits behind in the, the in the standings in the uh, National League East, which is good. Only nine and a half games behind the Nationals now. Who, you know, they they have some bullpen deficiencies and and their starters haven't been terrific. Obviously, Scherzer's been phenomenal and he got his. I believe it was 2,000 strikeout um, in yesterday's game against the Rangers, but. Nobody else in that division is really, you know, going to be, be there and, and, and scaring you, obviously. Atlanta is there with the Miami Marlins. Marlins have played a little bit better of late. Uh, you're not at all worried about the Phillies. But if you're the Mets and you can kind of get through these dog days of summer, and, and I realize Cespedes is not 100% healthy. I think he came out and said that. But he, just the fact that he's out there and he's in the lineup and he's, and he's playing, I think it gives the, the, the team a little spark, a little juice, and it just kind of transforms their lineup because – the threat of this guy doing something big in the middle of the lineup at any given time, it's there. And you don't really have that with many other hitters in the lineup. Yeah, and as, as you were speaking about the, uh, the, the Nationals and uh, that they're kind of climbing, the Mets kind of climbing their way back up the, the division standings, you know, April, May, so where we had all these, all, these, uh, all these losing games and the two losing months, 
baseball really just started. After Memorial Day, the baseball, baseball really, starts, uh, really starts. There have been plenty of players we've had seen all-star seasons halfway through and then there being nothing by the end. And players and, and their teams that were first-place teams that are dropping out to like third or fourth by the end. The Mets, I think, would be one of those teams that are rise fast. Now, you know, can we catch the Nationals? Can they take first place? Maybe, yes. You said the Nationals aren't perfect. We're not perfect. Um, but then I think come September, it's going to be very close. I hope so, because I'm just looking over the standings right now. And if you're a Met fan, you can't be too comfortable that you were going to have an opportunity to go after the wild card spot. Because I'm looking at the West right now in, in the National League East, or in the National League West, I should say. And Colorado is right at the top. They're 41 and 24. You've got the Dodgers, 39 and 25. And the Arizona Diamondbacks, 39 and 26. So it, based on this, the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks, if they continue doing what they're doing, those are going to be the two teams right there for the wild card spots. And, you know, maybe they won't be able to hold up. Maybe Colorado won't be able to hold at the top of that, that division. Maybe Arizona is playing above their capabilities right now. But I really like the the offense for both of those teams. And for Colorado, throwing out four rookies in their starting rotation right now because of injuries, I just think it's like they they don't know any better because it, you know, everybody kind of comes into Coors Field and thinks, oh boy, I got to be really perfect because if I'm not, I'm going to get you know I'm going to get the crap knocked out of me because you know in the, in the high altitude and the um, and the balls flying out of out of Coors Field and uh, the Diamondbacks, their pitching staff I think has been a little bit better. Um, than people would have anticipated. Robbie Ray has been really good. Uh, Shelby Miller is the guy they traded for two years ago, and he's on the shelf, and they're still playing well, and the, and the offense is really good there. So if you're a Met fan, you've got to really want to go after the Nationals because I think that may be, like in 2015, the opportunity for us to get back into the playoffs, which would be a third straight year, which has never been done in New York Mets history, which is kind of incredible. Really? It's never been done before? I don't think so. They they got to they only they, they only got to back to back playoffs for the second time in their history this past season. Wow. All right. So yeah, and I agree with you. And that's with any sport like uh, like baseball, football, uh, eh, basketball. Not really so much. You really can't be comfortable chasing a wild card because it's what a the wild card race is always. Uh, crazy and it's hard to predict because uh, no teams can come out of anywhere because you're really fighting you're fighting a whole league and not just a division. It's a crapshoot. You really have to go for that division. Yeah, it's a complete crapshoot. So you, ha- you really need to aim for that division. Um, and then if, if you can't, you have to kind of walk into a wild card because uh, we we've seen plenty of great teams in 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 the NFL and MLB who play in a tough division like the like the one the Mets are in right now. Uh, and not and just missed the playoffs. They couldn't capture the division, but there are other teams outside of, outside of their division in the, in the same league able to knock them out of the wild card. So really, you really have to get your division. You absolutely have to aim for your division. Uh, and especially with this early in the season, it's only June. You have to aim for the division. Don't the wild card could be a real problem. And that's what they, they that's what they made the wild cards for to put a, a greater premium on trying to go out there and win your division. And also. Just for you listening out there, if, you, if you'd like to give us a call, 914-338-0897. Again, 914-338-0897. It's up on our Facebook page, at Stopski and G Podcasting. And on Twitter, you can follow us and comment at Stopski and G. So 
you want to get involved in any of this discussion about the Mets. I know you, you, there's a lot of Mets fans out there, especially uh, in these last couple of years. They've kind of jumped on the bandwagon. I know with the ticket prices, like we talked about two weeks ago, Stopsky is jumping on the, the bandwagon because the Yankee ticket price is a little bit ridiculous. But, um, yeah, for the Mets, you got to go after the you got to go after the the Nationals because you play them the most. You have the most opportunity to make up you know direct ground against this team. And if you think you're going to rely on a wild card spot, I just gave you three teams that are, are right up there, basically with the same record or better than the Washington Nationals in the Rockies, the Dodgers, and the Diamondbacks. So, and we saw, like you said, it's a crapshoot with that wild card game, and we saw it last year as Mets fans against the San Francisco Giants. We got the game in our building and still couldn't win. We got Bumgarner. Yeah, no, that's it's rough. And, and also, usually when you make a wild card like that, you're playing another, you get, hey, you have that one game playoff, and you're playing another hot team. Now, it's very rare someone can back their way into the wild card, especially usually, well, you have to be hot to get that wild card, unless, of course, they're a division, a division leader who gets bumped by the hot team who would have been the wild card. So, but still, you're usually playing a team that's, that's motivated, ready to go, and has been good for the last, X stretch of games, you don't want to be. You really don't want to be there. You don't want to be in that spot. And you really need to be in the, in the division. That's why I said they got bum garnered because that's exactly what happened to the Giants last year. They were leaving that division by leaps and bounds in the first half of the season, and then they basically just fell off a cliff and they kind of plummeted and allowed the Dodgers to take the take the division instead, uh, the West and they kind of just had to settle for a wild card spot. And they're kind of lucky that they even got the second wild card spot there because uh, the Cardinals were kind of creeping up and just couldn't finish at the end. And uh, the Mets kind of came out of nowhere and surged themselves into the top wild card spot where the Giants kind of figured they would be uh, the entire season. So it really kind of depends on what's going on. The Giants, like I said, were lucky to, to hang on to that second wild card spot last year. So, but you're right. Most of the time, it's okay. These teams are playing well. They were competing. That's what you're hoping you're getting instead of a, a team that's kind of free falling and just looking to hang on for dear life to, to, to a playoff spot. And the Giants did, and they did win that win, that wild card game thanks to Connor freaking Gillespie and uh, Madison Bumgarner. And then they went on uh, to face the Cubs, and they didn't fare too well against the Cubbies. But speaking of the Cubbies, the Mets have the Cubbies coming in today, this week, for a three game set. They're only time uh, into. City Field, and uh, that'll be interesting because the Cubbies haven't played up to, to up to snuff this year. They're 500, and people in Chi Town are wondering, "Oh my goodness, what what is happening to our defending World Series champion Cubs? Schwarber's not hitting. Our pitching has been abysmal. Uh, so it, it's going to be interesting to see how they fare coming into City Field because the, the last time that they lost in the playoffs, if you kind of think back in, in your mind, it was to the New York Mets, and the New York Mets, I believe, swept the Cubs right out our out our building last year around the 4th of July. And uh, I was actually at one of those games with Scott Hankel, and uh, he was none too happy about that. No, no, I can't imagine that Scott be happy about that at all. Yeah, he, no, it was funny because he was just cheering for every base hit. He was, like, trying to get into something. I think the Mets blew him out that game. Listen, man, Scott is just, like, the ultimate hometown fan or, or team fan. He will – Root for a team to the bitter end, man. And I've seen it with, with how he roots for, for hockey, how he roots for, for baseball, and he's a diehard Cubs fan, so that doesn't surprise me to the least bit. No, no. But it'll be an interesting series. Uh, I still think the Mets are kind of in the Cubs' head. 
just because the last time that they 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 got knocked out of the playoffs was via the New York Mets and uh, in a sweep, and then we took care of them in the regular season last year. And right now the Cubbies aren't going well, and their pitching isn't going well. So it's basically two teams going in opposite directions where the Cubs are like they kind of feel like they're free falling, although they're at 500. The Mets are five games under 500. Uh, the Mets feel the Mets are feeling good right now. They've got their pitching back. Uh, you've got Degrom going tonight. Hopefully he can kind of get himself back on track because it's weird seeing Jacob Degrom in a four seven five ERA. He, he just hasn't been good the last couple times out, Matt. It's just it's been weird to see. Yeah, no, that that is very weird to see that uh, Degrom. But I think this will he'll correct himself. I have faith that he'll he'll get back. You now, like I said, April May, April May baseball. It's like a preseason. You'll be fine. Man, I hope so. I, I mean, I really do because this is the one guy that we need. And it might just be that, okay, you know, he, he with everybody kind of going down around him, he's like, okay, I've got to step up. I've got to be that ace. When he was dominating last year and two years ago, he had everybody else around him basically. And so he didn't really need to feel that pressure. He just kind of went out there and did his thing. So maybe that's kind of been getting on him a little bit. His accuracy hasn't certainly been as good as it's been in years past that we've seen from Jacob DeGrom. So that's another factor into into what's going along. I think he just hasn't been able to be himself and to, to spot up his pitches like he would like to. Obviously, his fastball's still up there in the mid to upper 90s, but he just hasn't been able to locate well, and he's been, he's been getting hit up a little bit. So Hopefully he can he can tame this Cubs lineup. He's had success against the Cubs in the past, so hopefully he can he can kind of come back and let that free flowing hair just do its thing and and dominate the Cubbies. <laughs> yeah, man, I I hope so as well. All right, well, let's transition over to the other New York team in the New York Yankees because it was uh, a much stellar. You you want to talk about dominating performances? You, you thought the Mets was a dominating performance this, this past weekend. The New York Yankees, man, they absolutely crushed it uh, uh, this weekend against the Baltimore Orioles, winning 8-2, to two, putting up 16 runs in the second game and then 14 runs in the game on Sunday. And Aaron Judge, you, just look, you, you don't even have to look any further really than Aaron Judge. And here's his AL ranks as of, Three hours ago, uh, tweeted out by uh, Butcher Gross, John Butcher Gross. He says the batting average is 344. That's first in the American League. Home runs, he's got 21 of those. That's first in the American League. I think it's probably first in the major leagues. And then RBIs, he's got up to 47, which is first in the American League as well. Man, like, would you consider this guy the MVP leader in the clubhouse at this point as we're heading into the middle of June here? Yeah, no, obviously again, very early. But yes, I totally agree. He he, he is the uh, probably a leading candidate for MVP. He's really turning this Yankees team from a pretty average team uh, to a team that's you know playoff bound, uh, and not just like oh we're gonna squeak in like a team that could maybe go a little deep. I'm not sure they're World Series quality, but you know, they're they're a good a much better team than anyone thought uh, they were gonna be. And I, mean, I I think these past weekend only shows us that Judge listens to our uh, to our radio show because I swear he was aiming for your apartment in the story with some of those hits. There, those balls are still flying. Uh, I would I would board up your windows, man, because he is aiming for you. So I'm, now it's gonna be like, no, he's in the Bronx and you're in a story. Doesn't matter. This guy's hitting 
shot to the moon. Uh, I think we can put to bed any kind of thought of, oh, what if he regresses? Yeah, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I think this is uh, only going to go up, 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 at least for this season. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because, you, you know, we saw this this basically happening last year, a phenom coming up and, and playing really well and, and hitting home runs and crushing baseballs at even a, a faster pace than Aaron Judge is right now and Gary Sanchez. But you look at Gary Sanchez, and he's kind of regressed a little bit. Obviously, he came into the season, got injured right away, and then come, came back and, and wasn't really the same player. He's really trying to get himself rounded into form and, and kind of avoiding that sophomore uh, slump at this point, uh, which I hope he does because he's a really, really good talent. Uh, he's hitting – you know, he's, he's getting his average back up there. He's hitting 275, and uh, he's got 10 home runs himself, 28 RBIs. So, like I said, he's kind of getting himself – uh, back into the swing of things. And this isn't going to be smooth sailing for Aaron Judge his entire career. He's not going to hit 345 his entire career. He's not going to hit 40 home runs every season. Pitchers are going to figure out how to pitch to this guy. And then it's going to be up to him to make an adjustment. So it's just kind of when this 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 is going to happen, where the pitchers come out and make an adjustment to Judge and really figure out, okay, where do we need to pitch this guy, this guy to get him out? But right now, it doesn't really seem like whatever you do, you're going to get him out. But eventually, pitchers will figure out something and they'll start getting him out at a higher rate and he won't hit 345 for, for a season. Maybe he will at some point. But every young guy comes up and, you know, the pitchers figure you out and then it's about you going back and adjusting to what they do. And if you can do that, then that's when you can sustain real success in the major leagues. No, I totally agree. It's, it, it, you know, to – I don't want to crown him best in the world right now. Uh, I definitely think he's an early candidate for MVP, but again, we still have another three or four months, so again, we're not going to crown him right now. And yeah, how he does in his career is really going to be based upon next year. We'll see how he performs next year. Will pitchers figure him out? And he then adjusts to that. And when it comes to talk about Sanchez, uh, I, don't, I don't think these are aggressions for the means for him. I think he's just I think really baseball is one of the hardest sports uh, to get your groove in. You know, it takes months on months of games to really get your groove back. Uh, it's different than football or basketball uh, or hockey. You know, they're what we call mid-season form, right? You have you played baseball for a long time, and yep. you, you can struggle for two months, and all of a sudden this click, and you're like, all right, there we go. I'm good. I'm ready to go. When you're out with an injury and you can't get your full all your reps in, you can't get your games in. It takes the extra time to get ready, especially when you're a young guy like Gary Sanchez who hasn't gone through this before for a long time where he doesn't, you know, doesn't know how to click it right back on right away. So I think he'll be fine and go right into uh, He'll eventually go right back and be fine. But I think it's going to take a little bit of time. Sorry, the, uh, the house I just give you on and the alarm went off. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, that's good. <laughs> Well, what what yeah. happened? Well, how did you get a power outage in, in the middle of a heat wave? I don't know, but I started drinking all the beer. So I'm happy that I could stop drinking all the beer in the middle of the afternoon now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't want them to go to waste. You don't want them to get it warm and just get bad and skunky. You, you can't. You, you got you to gotta drink it then. No, of course, man. You can't waste beer. That's a sin. And, like, when, after I'm yeah. gone, I have to answer all my sins. I don't want this to be one of them. There's already going to be enough on that list. Wasting beer will not be on that list. That will not be on Stopsky's list if, if there's, there's going to be no. no beer to waste. 
<laughs> but let me just give you some of the offensive stats here for the Yankees as a whole, as their team. This is how good they've been this season. And I don't think anybody could have predicted this. They are first in the major leagues. Again, these are major league statistics for team-wise here. OPS, they are first at 827 OPS. Sluggy, per- sluggy percentage as a team, they're first at 476 on base percentage. They're first at a 351 clip as a team. Average, they're second only behind the Astros by .02 points in the batting average. Uh, walks, they are fifth in the American, or excuse me, in the in Major League Baseball. RBIs, they're first with 335 home runs. They're first with 102 as a team. Triples. Uh, they are a little bit down on the triple list. So triples, eh, whatever. They don't hit a lot of triples. It's hard to hit triples in in Yankee Stadium. Uh, Anyways, uh, um, let's see. Hits, they are right up there at fifth. Runs, uh, they're in first place with 353. So this is just an offensive juggernaut of a team. But my only concern, and I don't know how you feel about this, Dostoevsky, is that when this offense – Kind of comes down to earth because I, I don't think they're going to be able to keep this up at, for uh, basically the entire season. Um, so when this kind of starts to come down a little bit in the dog days of summer, we're going to have the pitching there. And the pitching certainly has not been as good as the hitting and the pitching. It's, it's not been good. Tanaka hasn't been good. And uh, they just haven't been able to do a whole lot of good things. Uh, Pitching-wise, uh, they, they've kept their ERA down, which has been good. Uh, Severino's been been stellar. Pineda's been pretty good. CeCe, I think, has been better than people would have anticipated. Jordan Montgomery's holding his own. Uh, Chad Green pitched yesterday. He didn't go very deep, but he just kind of came out of the, the uh, came out of the bullpen and made a start. So he, only, I think, he only went two or three innings. Uh, but the pitching, I think, is what the Yankees really need to focus on. And I talk a little bit about it. On my preview video that I put up at Dobsky G Podcasting, uh, you can see it up there. That I think they, I think Brian Cashman is looking at this and thinking, okay, I'm not going to do anything crazy to mortgage the future here, but if this team continues to play the way that they're playing, I can't not go out there and get them a little bit of help. Maybe get them an extra arm in the rotation because I think that's the one thing that they're lacking. Their bullpen is very strong but they need another arm, whether it be a middle-of-the-rotation guy. I don't think you're going to go out there and give up a a prime blue-chip prospect in the minor league system to get uh, maybe an ace. I don't even know which aces would be available to go out there and get, but maybe somebody middle-rotation type arm. I think that's that's what the Yankees would be kind of looking at. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely not worth mortgaging the future or anything like that. Uh, Their stars are young, so they don't have to win right now. Uh, They're built for the future. But, you know, if, we're, if the Yankees are looking good, looking like they can really be contenders, then, yeah, I think you have to look at – I'm not sure what kind of ace is going to be available, but definitely just you know, another arm. They definitely need an arm in there that can, that's reliable because uh, they don't really have that right now. They go along with, with, their, with their hitting, and I agree with you. Uh, hitting like this is not sustainable. It will drop off at some point. This is a weird show. You've been agreeing with me a lot on this show, and I I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I missed you a lot, so I guess now we're disagreeing. I think I, you're wrong. I hate you. There you go. <laughs> that feels a little bit better. 
but um, a couple of the aces, the couple of the aces out there that might be on the trading block, just kind of off the top of my head, looking at a couple of things. Uh, you, you look at the Oakland Athletics, they're kind of buried in uh, the American League West. Maybe Sonny Gray is an ace that might be available from the Athletics that they, they might want to trade for. Jose Quintana would be another one from the Chicago White Sox. They're kind of buried. But maybe some middle-of-the-rotation type guys that they can pilferage is maybe from the Phillies. Maybe a Jeremy Hellickson is a guy there that they would like to go and pick up because he's had a pretty good season for the Phillies. Um, I don't think the Pirates are willing to give anybody away unless you want to try to maybe trade Garrett Cole, but the the National League Central hasn't been great this year, and that's what kind of has allowed the Cubs to stick around at 31-31. and They're only one game behind the Milwaukee Brewers who were in first place. And then you've got the St. Louis Cardinals who are two and a half games back. Cincinnati's right there only three games back, and the Pittsburgh Pirates are in the basement, but they're only four and a half games back at 25, 28 and 35. So I, I, don't, I can't see if the Pirates are you know, close that they're going to give up and just trade Garrett Cole um, unless they get blown away with an offer. And then you look at the Padres, and the Padres don't really have anybody in the rotation that you're kind of pining after. Uh, but the Giants do. You know, Jeff Samarja might be a guy who's a middle-of-the-rotation type arm that the Yankees might want to look at. Uh, who has had a lot of success in his career, hasn't been great the last two years for the Giants, but, you know, maybe you can find something there. Maybe a Johnny Cueto is a guy that you can look to pilferage off of the Giants if you're looking for an ace-type guy or a guy who's more of a frontline starter. So this is just kind of some, you know, some teams that are just looking at, you know, maybe you'd be able to pick somebody off, maybe an Edison Volquez from Miami because the Marlins, you know, they have been playing better. He did just throw, go out and throw the no-hitter uh, about a week or so ago. but you know, there's not a, a, a plethora of arms out there for the Yankees to get, but there are some guys that I think would probably be worth getting. Um, I guess I, I, I again, I agree. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? No, no, you're you're a bad person with good hair. That's it. That's I. You're, you're wrong about the things you're. Oh right man, about. I, it's, it's weird. <laughs> I've, I, I, I've got to let my uh, I got to let my hair continue to grow. It's. I don't know what to do with it right now. Yeah, I saw you were uh, you were at a modeling thing this weekend, right? Because that's what you do. You're a model now. Well, I've been doing that for about a year now, but I was hosting. I wasn't modeling. I was just hosting the uh, the fashion show for the agency in Connecticut, which was uh, which was kind of fun. And uh, but standing outside in the hot sun for forty for not forty, but four hours was a little tough in a suit. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's. You're still a model. They're not letting the other people like host the model thing. So I don't think you're, you know, you're a model. It's your thing. Though. You're, you're the, uh, you're our, our public face, and uh, I'm the guy behind the camera because. Is that God, why? Is that why you don't? Is that why you don't do any? Uh, you don't do any of our our warm up videos. Um. No, it's because I actually have like a, a meeting every day that goes right into like twelve fifteen, so I don't have the time to do it. Yikes! Such <laughs> I, I would love to, but uh, but yeah, no, I, I don't. But, uh, well, yeah, maybe I maybe we can use like more than my views. Maybe we can, uh, maybe we can uh, get together at some point and, and and do one of the videos together, or you can just be behind the camera and make it look even better uh from there but uh, i would like to get you on the camera and do one of the warm-up shows together i think that would be fun sometime no, we will. when it gets uh closer to football season we'll do that then i'll do uh i do think kevin hart wants football to football. oh no 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 no
Why not, Kevin? Chest, Greg. Say the chest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Kevin doesn't want you to do the videos. I don't. I don't get it. I don't know why. Uh, you must not like, uh, you know, me or Fat Jewish Kids from Long Island. I said, whatever. It's fine. Oh no! I feel. I, no 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 no. Oh, no. Again, man, he's just voicing his opinion today. <laughs> At least someone is arguing with us. Uh, you want to uh, want to the want to head to a uh, a football topic? You know, or a little uh, tip that we yeah. have, a little baseball topic. All right, so uh, yeah, to, to tell me a little bit about the uh, the charity softball game that you went to. Yeah, so I was there a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think it was two Fridays ago, and uh, it was for a great cause. It's the uh, it's a char- uh, charity for for cancer. Uh, I believe for kids, um, and the kid that threw out the first pitch, the 17-year-old who was just uh, told he was cancer-free, so that was excellent. But great, wow. great charity work by the New York Giants and Landon Collins putting this together. It's uh, you know, Coach Coughlin's name is on it on the charity, but he's in Jacksonville. But he sent us all a nice, uh, a nice video message that was shown on on a big screen. But their turnout, man, their turnout was amazing. Not, not just in terms of who they got to play, but their fans, man. They're, they're, Giants fans will tailgate anything, and this only shows it to be true. They were tailgating a charity softball game, and they did it. And they, show, and they came out in big numbers, and they, the guys that Landon Collins got to play was, were excellent. It was a huge roster of current Giants and Giants from uh, Super Bowl 42 and 46. Uh, so you had Eli Manning out there. You had, uh, you know, Snacks Harrison. You had Plaxico Burris, Amani Toomer. Uh, you had Corey Webster. You had Pierce. <laughs> you had, you had uh, JPP, although he wasn't playing. Uh, he was there showing his support. It, it was amazing. And also Andrew Adams, the safety, who apparently uh, is the next Bo Jackson, as they had a home run derby before this, and he hit 16 home runs. 16. Who was that? Andrew Adams, the safety, hit 16 home runs. Oh, my goodness. In the home run derby. Like the next guy had, like, five. Um, wow. And then he was just How far were the fences? home runs during the game. Yeah, it was a softball game. So, it's not, 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 not the furthest. Not too far. But still, it, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was amazing. He, it, it got to the point where it got comical. Like, he, like he was hitting fly balls that were going out. But it was, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Did you uh, did you talk to him afterwards and, and ask him how much he's benching nowadays? I, I talked to him. I was like, so how do you feel about the next uh, being the next Bo Jackson? He's like, oh, yeah, man, yeah. He's like, I'm just Andrew Adams, but you know, if uh, someone wants to call me, we can talk. So <laughs> so he's open. Yankees, Mets, he's open. He needs some power hitting uh, for midseason form. Well, um, I don't think the Yankees could use any more power hitting, but the Mets could always use power hitting. Why not, man? But yeah, he uh, he was excellent. Uh, the game was excellent. Everyone, everyone there was a, it was a good time seeing everyone uh, from the former teams. They were having a lot of fun. Eli Manning came dressed as everyone's dad, uh, as you know, everyone dressed in these athletic attires and this, uh, you know, their shorts or or you know, athletic shirts. And Eli comes in uh, with a polo shirt tucked into his khaki shorts, ready, ready to play softball. And uh, you know, it's just what else would you expect of the great Eli Manning? The great mouth breather of Eli Manning. Well, we love him, man. We absolutely love him. But um, I want to touch upon real quick and something about the New York Giants. You know, we uh, there's a lot, a lot of talk about Odell Beckham Jr. missing uh, mini camp, and 
Obviously, he wasn't there for the charity. I think he was he was working out. I think they were in Florida. Uh, so mandatory camp has now started, and he's back with no problem. And Olivier Vernon's back. I, I don't think I saw anything about Olivier Vernon missing the uh, the voluntary camp, which only shows me to the, to that no, to this is that reporters are just bored and had nothing to write about, and that the Odell Beckham Jr. story was totally blown out of proportion. He's ready. He's here to play. Uh, it would have been great to see with the softball game, but the turnout they had was already amazing. And I think the Giants and Giants fans should be very excited for this year. Well, l- let me ask you this. What what players did you get a chance to talk to? Uh, I got a chance to talk to Snacks real quick. Uh, he, he, was a really, he, he was a great guy. You know, he sat in the crowd for a solid 30 minutes just signing autographs. And he was a really nice guy. Um, wow. I had a chance to talk to some of the players, some of the former retired players uh, in passing. Uh, Chase Blackburn was there because he's just the coolest dude in history of football. You know, goes from math teacher to linebacker, picks off Aaron Rodgers in his first game back, and then Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. So not many guys do that. Um, but he was there. He's a nice no. guy. I just, and, uh, the, only one I, the only one I was absolutely not going to talk to was Ahmad Bradshaw. I have never been afraid of a man until I saw Ahmad Bradshaw. That guy looks at any moment he could just knock you out. <laughs> what? Like, is this from like a psychological? Like, he looks like he just looks like a crazy dude standpoint, or is he more like jacked, or is it a combination of the both? No, no it's both. It's both. He he carries himself like at any moment. If you piss him off, he's just gonna knock you out. <laughs> And I was like, oh, man, this, he's uh, – it's shown his play when he was, you know, he's five foot nothing, like whatever, and he's 210 pounds, and he's carrying – You oh, got that little man syndrome. On his, on his shoulders. Yeah, man, he's a beast, absolute beast. And uh good to see the same guy on and off the field. Um, but everyone was super nice. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that he wasn't nice. He was actually very, very pleasant. He was awesome to talk to with everybody there. Um, but he just – that guy, man, <laughs> I, I absolutely see why he's able to do what he did in the NFL. <laughs> if only the injuries didn't kind of hamper him a little bit throughout his NFL career, he probably would have been uh, a lot better off. Well, yeah, and no, I can't do about the ankle injuries, but to his credit, he kept on playing. Yeah. He played through them until he couldn't play anymore. That's it. You know, he went from the Giants and he went to the Colts, right? Yeah. Yeah, man, that was, that was his Very nice. thing, but. Yeah, it was cool to see everyone out there. Uh, oh, but there was one part. There was one part that was really great. They brought a professional softball pitcher out to pitch to um, Brandon Jacobs, Davis Webb, and Zach Yossi. Now, I'm Blasco Bird. <laughs> like, are we talking like, like fast pitch? Yeah, fast pitch. They oh, jeez. Like fools. I think Webb was able to get a small hit off, and so was Diachi. But, you know, I mean, these you know, softball pitchers, especially professional ones, they are hard to hit, man. They, you know, guys, don't, you know, guys don't watch softball a whole lot, uh, and they kind of you know, turn their nose to the guys you know, don't really care. But softball pitchers are some of the best athletes in the world when it comes to their craft. And, and it showed, you know, as they were making former Super Bowl champions uh, look like, you know, middle school prospects. It was hilarious. 
I've never actually faced a, a fast pitch softball pitcher, but I've I have friends who you know in college and in high school who were on the softball team, and they pitched and they always had said you know like it's it's real difficult and I I don't I don't not be, I I don't be, I do believe them I should say because I can only imagine it's it's much closer and those balls move in a different way than a baseball does. You know, like a baseball, you're coming from over the top, so it's going to go downward. A softball, you have a ball that's a riser that'll literally just go up on you, and it's just like a, it's just a different animal. Totally different. Totally different, and they're closer, uh, so your swing is different. It's just totally, totally different. But yeah, man. So what was was was, was there show. any was there any other cool? Um, anything else that was kind of interesting that happened there that you saw, that you talked to, that you heard, anything like that? I gave some kid my autograph. <laughs> that's, 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 Did you? I guess that's about it. Yeah. I knew what, what were you giving? It, what were you giving your autograph for? So I was at the game, and uh, some of my brother's friends were there just because they could. Giants fans tell it well, man. This game was in uh, Nyack. And these kids are from Smithtown, New York, and they drove all the way up to, to watch this game. And uh, you know, they, they saw me on the field. They called me over, and they, uh, you know, they had a softball. No one had signed it yet. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll sign the softball. And then it ended up being kind of like a big joke. So I signed the softball, and security guards signed the softball. Then uh, the Giants ESPN reporter signed the softball. And Jay Alfred signed the softball. <laughs> so they started getting wow, around. Wow, a lot of great – yeah, and a lot, the best a lot, of the best. On that ball. <laughs> yeah, the best, man, the best. <laughs> Who's who of sports media or exactly. just exactly. irrelevant <laughs> in general? It was excellent. It was a good time, man. But, yeah, the, the Giants, all the issues and the drama around the Giants has been overblown. But there is one team where the drama is not being talked about enough, which is a segue. Oh. What up, Into segue? the so other – uh, if you want to get in on this topic, please, please do so. Give us a call, 914-338-0897. Talk about a little bit of the Giants. We can do some Jets as well as we're going to officially dive into the New York football disaster of the Jets. Yeah, so anyone who hasn't been following, the Jets have pretty much cleaned house. They cleaned house before the draft. Now they're spinning out after the draft. I'm getting rid of Harris. They're on the process of getting rid of Decker. Um, they still have no quarterback. And people, there's a lot of. You know, like Josh McCown? There right now. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, there's a lot of sports news out there right now about, uh, you know, oh, this is good. The Jets are going to contend for a, a uh, high draft pick. And I'm going to argue that even if the Jets get a high draft pick, this is the absolute worst thing that could have happened for the New York Jets. Uh, now, this is Mike McCagnan, the general manager, Mike McCagnan. Uh, I think this is his fourth year now, and it's Todd Bowles' third. This is not the time when you want to be rebuilding. Rebuilding comes in the beginning, not in the middle, or what might end up being the end. Especially <laughs> if especially if the Christian McCaffrey thing uh, – not, not Christian McCaffrey, he's doing fine. Uh, Christian Hackenberg thing seem to come out and be true. Now, I, there, there were some reports earlier in the week that he uh, was throwing balls at reporters because he can't hit anything. I have other sources, other people who have talked to me about Hackenberg, is, is how he's doing at camp, how he is as a professional. 
And the overall theme from all of the sources is that this kid is trash, garbage, not going to be a player in the NFL at all. Um, which, if that is the case, and I think from looking at these most recent roster moves, seems to be the case, McCagnan and Bowles might be out of the organization come next year. Because they grabbed they dressed McCaffrey, I think it was 51 or 52. That is too high to bust on a quarterback when there are plenty of them others out there they could have got later in, uh, later in the draft. If this ends up being true, and I highly suspect it to be not just true, but probably even underselling how bad he is, the Jets are in a lot of trouble. And like I said, when I saw that they released Harris and they released Decker, this showed me that the ownership has now looked at what they have and went, yep, now nah, it's just total rebuild mode now. It's absolutely total rebuild mode because if Hackenberg was even somewhat comparable or capable as a quarterback, they would have kept Decker. They would have kept Harris. They would have put at least a little veteran presence around him so he wouldn't be going out there with nothing. Now he's going out there with nothing because they know that he is nothing, which is not good. Yeah, and I think we, we kind of saw that from last year when the Jets were unwilling to give him an opportunity last year after Geno Smith went down and you've got Fitzmagic out there not really doing too much and, and just kind of middling around. And they didn't even want to go out there and give Hackenberg an opportunity. I think that was the biggest thing where they wouldn't even activate him really. He, was, he couldn't get off the practice squad. He just wasn't good enough to get off the practice squad. And they said, oh, he's not ready. He's still too raw. This and that. I think what they were really saying, the underlying message was, holy crap, we made a huge mistake. We can't put this kid in the game because he's going to get the crap knocked out of him. And he's going to suck. And it's going to show how bad our draft pick was. So we can't play him. We just can't play him. Yeah, no, I was, I was really intrigued with that too. You know, uh, they were lucky, like very, very lucky that Jared Goff came in and looked poor for LA because that was able to cover like, oh, you know, we don't want to put Christian through what Jared's going through right now and putting him in midseason and watch him get killed. Because if you get if you think a player in the top 52, top 55, top really 75, those players should be ready to go by midseason, barring injury or a setback for any reason. Well, even if, sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes a quarterback, you're more apt to, to kind of hold back. But if the season's going as poorly as it had been for the Jets, you would think a guy drafted that high as a quarterback would get an opportunity to play. But this kid, just as they said, and I quote, wasn't ready to play. Um, it just doesn't make much sense. I think it was they're hiding their draft because they don't want to be, oh, my gosh, look how badly the Jets screwed this one up. Yeah, 100%. 100% agree. When they said they, were, they weren't going to play him, uh, I, I knew I was right. I was not high on Christian Hackenberg coming out of Penn State. <clears throat> I thought, you know, he had a great freshman year uh, when he was under Bill O'Brien. And then his time under Franklin was really poor his sophomore and junior year. And I, did, I just didn't like his character. I thought that there's a lot of reports about him just talking to coaches, blaming pretty much his regression on his coaches, which – to me, shows immaturity. Now, you may, you want, if you want to think that, it's fine. Don't say that. You know, that's, 
that's like if you go into an interview and you start bad mouthing your other, your former boss. No, that, you don't do that. that. That's immaturity. You don't do that. That's, that's a, it's a level of immaturity. You just don't do it. Uh, and that that's what came out to me that this kid is immature. And NFL quarterbacks, a grown man's game. It takes hours, hours, days of extra preparation that other players don't have to go through. You have to hit the film room. And when I say hit the film room, I don't mean like you're just sitting there watching film. You have to learn these very complex defenses by heart. You have to know every play in your playbook and not even just that, know exactly what you're going to when the, the different coverages are shown, your options, where you're – and this is stuff that takes a lot of time. That's why a quarterback doesn't reach its peak until 30, while other guys are reaching their peak at 25. The athletic ability for a quarterback is not what makes him great. It's the mental side. It's his maturity. It's his, what he can do in the games on the line. And that stuff comes from preparation. And from everything I'm seeing, Christian Hackenberg is putting the bare minimum. And if that's the case, yeah, he's not going to be in the league. Yeah, all that is, is very true, unless your name is Brett Favre, who I don't know if you saw, but it came out, the story this past week, that he had no idea what a nickel defense was until, like, five years into the league. Yes, I know about that insane story about the uh, about Brett not knowing nickels. But the thing about Brett is that or dime, <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, Brett just could could see the game like few others. He played it like he was playing in his backyard, uh, and he would just go, "Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna throw it. If it gets picked, it gets picked, and we'll see what happens." And he was just, and he was a rare player. You know, players that play like Brett Favre don't last very long in the league. Because uh, the only people who can play like Brett Favre is Brett Favre. He's the only one I could think of in the modern era who's played like that and has been as successful as he has. Uh, granted, he's had a it's lot hard. of receivers, a lot of coaches around him. But it's you can't – if you're drafting someone and going, oh, yeah, this kid is Brett Favre to me, you better hope he's Hall of Fame quality because that's the only guy that will pull off a gunslinger mentality in the, in the, you know, in the current – day NFL. Yeah, you know the NFL is, is more of a passing league now, but at the same time, you know, you need these kids that are that are educated because the defensive is so much more complex and the players are so much bigger, faster, stronger. Obviously we've seen obviously evolution happens and you know now these athletes have more uh, tools to be more successful and they, they almost don't need to model themselves after Brett Favre is just that gunslinger you know, play, playground mentality. They go out there, like you said, it takes so much time, preparation, precision to really read and understand and, and, and to pick apart these complex defenses that if you just go out there and you had somebody nowadays that would come out and say, yeah, I don't really know what a nickel or dime defense is, there's no chance that that, that player would be on a football field. No, not at all. And you know, I, like you mentioned, the NFL is more of a passing game now. But it's not just a passing game; it's a precision passing game. It's about yeah, uh, you know, timing low, routes. Uh, yeah, timing routes, knowing your risk, keeping the ball, not getting turnovers. And the only reason that Brett was able to turn the ball over as much as he did is because he would make these rem- amazing plays, would outweigh the turnovers. He would have you know three or four amazing plays game and had any one or two bad turnovers but those three or four amazing plays would be enough to get you the win and that's how he succeeded 
Not yeah, every yeah, he doesn't can do that. Just, just ask, ask Jay Cutler how being a gunslinger worked out. Huh. Especially late in the now he's no in the booth. Jay. And no one wants Jay. He's in the booth. Jay's a gunslinger. Yeah, he's, that's, that was, that's how he came into the league. Uh, and Jay was a gunslinger. He, can, uh, he would make some great plays, but his turnovers outweighed his great plays. While Favre did the opposite. There are very few players. Like I said, one player I can think of that was as successful as Brett, and that's Brett. And there's no one else. Uh, so you have to put the time in. You have to put the time in. You have to put the work in. Um, and also, Brett was never afraid of hard work. You know, he may have not, he may have not been uh, the most defensive, knowledgeable, or savvy quarterback, and he knows all these defenses, but he was not afraid to stay late on those practice fields and throw around with his guys and get his timing route stuff done. It seems like from what I'm seeing with Christian Hackenberg, either his rookie year or his freshman year was a complete miracle, or he has talent and has no work, has no work ethic. Because yeah, well, he, he has enough talent to be good. And the fact that he's not – I think he looks like you – know, they're making the same comparison about him hitting reporters like Tebow had. They're talking about like they're talking about hmm. Tim Tebow. And Tim Tebow had like right -handed not Tim just Tebow. bad accuracy, but like historically bad accuracy. This is bad. This is really, really bad for the Jets because there are it's gonna if they fire McCagney and they fire Bowles at the end of the year, what's what's there to re, what's the what are you gonna build around? There's no quarterback. Your running backs are old. Your line isn't great. You know, your receiving core is at this point, I could Bush. throw a wide receiver for them. Yeah, they're, they're, their defense, you know, outside their defensive line, which I would argue is still not – their Jets fans like to point to their defensive line. Uh, Wilkerson was garbage last year. Uh, Williams is fantastic. Uh, and Richardson, when he's not being a complete schmuck, is really good. But they all play this, like a very similar style. Uh, so that's going to be hard to find a defense where they all fit in perfectly, especially if Wilkerson can't seem to you know, get back his – his mojo from his pre-contract, uh, pre-contract playing days. Darren Lee was not good last year, and now this whole thing with him and and uh, Leonard Williams came out. That's not good about him, where he was really thrown out like a rag doll for for being a creep on a girl in a bar. Not what you want to see, eh, your guys. Yeah, Marcus May, who I'm not overly high on, but I have people I respect who are extremely high on him. So maybe he'll try to be something. Jamal Adams is great. So when you look through that, you got. One really – got two great players in Adams and Leonard, and then everyone else is kind of in. You're, you're going to try to rebuild with that? Good luck, man. The Jets are going to be in a losing streak. Of a, they're going to be just a losing team for the next decade. And even well, if they get this, you, a, quarter, a high pick, do not guarantee or do not expect Sam Donald to come out. He's a redshirt sophomore next year. And he's playing for a very good USC team. If they don't win the national championship this year, or they come close, expect the itch to be there, especially if it's Cleveland and New York at the top of the draft. You may think twice about coming out. Well, we, we saw these Jets teams over the last couple of years, uh, you know, especially when Mark, Chan Mark Sanchez was there, Geno Smith. Some of these teams had god-awful talent you know, god-awful skill players around him. But I, I look at this team, and, of course, you, you, you let go of 
Brandon Marshall, and now you're going to be releasing or trading Eric Decker. This might be the worst skill position team that I think the Jets may ever go into a season with, despite you know having I, Matt Forte back there, who's old. Uh, yeah, well, Matt Forte is you know more of a, na- a, a name and a player at this point. There's nothing against Forte yeah. that when he was in Chicago back in his heyday, he was excellent. phenomenal. Now, now you know he can he can catch a ball a bit. He can still run, but he can't. He's not going out there getting 30 carries a game every game. He's a guy that you have to limit your carries on because he needs to be good throughout the year. And I just don't think he has that to do that every every game. And you look at this this roster right now, man. It's you're right. It's not good. Putrid. You know? It's a new one. A new one's your only guy, and a new one's not that great. He ended up being very good last year, but he's gonna be number one next year. I don't think he's gonna do that well. Uh, you got this. I don't. The line said line's okay, but it's nothing great. And their defense is if it's okay. Yeah, I mean you've got no quarterback throwing to Anunua, and and you've got you've got you know he's going to have to deal with with some double teams and some extra going up against some extra guys and maybe the number one cornerback you know because he hasn't had to do that in his career because you know Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker have been there for the majority of his career. And those guys get the double coverage, the extra retention, and, you know, the number one quarterback from the other team. Now it's going to be on him, and they're going to be focused on taking away Nunwa because they know that they have no other you know, no other pieces there. Yeah, no, exactly. It's, it's going to be really hard for him to get open. Um, and you know, I, I was in Mobile when all this news was breaking, and I tweeted out, like, this is time for me to start my 2018 draft talk for the Jets because it's – it's a countdown to the draft now for the Jets. And like I said, I have a lot of friends uh, who are Jets fans. Actually, I have more Jets fans friends than I do have Giant fans friends uh, who are excited about this. And they think that, oh, they're going to get Sam Dahl next year, Josh Rosen. Uh, and I'm telling you right now, do not be surprised if Darn does not come out and do not put your money on Josh Rosen right now. It's, everyone thought before the year that it was going to be Deshaun Watson and Brad Kaya at the top of this year's draft. Uh, Watson had, was just the most argued about quarterback all year, ended up being taken in the first, but you know, two quarterbacks went before him, and Kaya went in the fifth. So, so just don't, don't look at these, at these early mock drafts and think, oh, we'll be fine next year. Yeah, it's never guaranteed. Never guaranteed. All right, my friend, we are heading towards down the stretch here. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel for this show. We only have a couple minutes left. Um, give me your sm- your schmuck and your mensch of the week, or if you have to take a second to think about them, I can go first if you want to do that. I already have mine. I, oh, All right, yeah. man. Then then give it give it to me. Uh, my schmuck is Christian Hackenberg uh, for all the reasons prior of why his name. Uh, my mensch. Is uh, Phil Savage, the Senior Bowl director, uh, well, executive director of the Senior Bowl, uh, had brought me down to Mobile this week. Uh, had a great time learning from him and his scouting staff and a bunch of people down there, you know, talking NFL draft, talking scout, uh, talking scout school stuff. Excellent experience. I really appreciate the invite. Thank you so much. Um, and he's just a great guy, man. Phil, Phil Savage is one of the nicest guys I've ever met in the sport. Wow, I thought you were gonna go. Uh, I thought you were gonna go Aaron Judge for your mention of the week, and so I, I came up with different ones. But since you didn't take Aaron Judge, I'll take Aaron Judge as my number one mensch of the week. Um, some other guys, some honorable mentions, if you will. 
will be Michael Bradley, who had a big goal and a, a sick goal yesterday against Mexico in the sixth minute of that game. Uh, I was locked into that one, actually. Only time I really get into soccer is, is when it comes to uh, the USA playing. Uh, Sidney Crosby with his second straight Conn Smythe trophy winner and, and the Penguins win back-to-back uh, Stanley Cups for the first time. That happened in the uh, NHL since the Red Wings in 96, or excuse me, 97, 98. And then, of course, Landon Collins uh, putting on that terrific softball game. I know that was a couple weeks ago, but you, you just got to talk a little bit about it today and some of the great stuff that, that he did with that uh, charity event was, was awesome. And my schmuck is kind of in the same sense as yours, where uh, I'm just going to go the Jets as a whole because with these guys in their third and fourth year, with the head coach and the GM, it's not good. And, and it's going to be it's going to mean the end, basically, for these two gentlemen, unfortunately. And I, I really don't know who they're going to get to come in there because they haven't been able to have anybody that wants to be any part of the New York Jets, uh, especially as a GM, maybe as a coach, but. As a GM, nobody has really stepped up and said, hey, I want to take on this challenge because they just know it's such a dumpster fire. Yep. <laughs> I like it. Dude. All right, Matty. Oh, I, I agree. It's been, it's been fun. I appreciate you jumping on here. And, and, and uh, we're, we, we were off last week, but it was good to kind of get back at it, even though both of us um, uh, had – it kind of had slipped our minds this morning when you uh, you texted me. But we were able to jump on here, had a solid show, had a lot of good things to talk about, and uh, it's always uh, it's always a pleasure. And like I said, you can always find us and, and follow us along, follow along with anything that we do. Uh, the two of us, we we get into a lot of lot of trouble and a lot of stuff uh, on for FanRag. We do uh, two podcasts on there, college football and uh, the NBA, which is coming to a close. We have Game Five coming your way tonight from Golden State, uh, so we'll have to jump on the podcast and, and do that at some point this week, depending upon if the if the Warriors close it out or if the Cavs can continue to survive and, and play A++ games. And uh, you can find us on Facebook at Stopsky and G Podcasting and on Twitter at Stopsky and G. So, Matty, it's been fun. I appreciate it. And uh, we will uh, we'll see you on the podcast at some point this week. Later, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right. All right, everybody. We will catch you next time. This has been the Big Apple Sports Hour with Stasky and G.